This is The Midnight Club, a podcast for Athenas and Clydesdales and the rest of us that, when we come in last, it's still coming in first. I am Clinton Timmerman, joined again by... Not Kelly. Not Kelly Tipple. And we have a special guest today from across the pond. Somebody actually I met on a train one time. Craig Hamilton. Craig, how are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you for having me on this podcast, Uh, Clint, Kelly. It's... It's really exciting for me, and actually, the meeting in the train wasn't as creepy as it sounded. It right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have a full story with that too. Uh, so I, I think I had told you I was going to London for the Seattle Seahawks American football mm-hmm. game, and I did a couple of days in Edinburgh ahead of time. And on my way uh, due to the train, actually, I got a uh, Haggis breakfast burrito, Ooh. and it was not agreeing with me, and it was just getting worse. And so I, I had a fun time meeting you and your friends because you guys were heading to a rugby championship at uh, Manchester, I believe, right? Yeah, that's was right. That- it was the, um, the, 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 the grand final, like kind of the culmination of the season, um, which is basically just an excuse to get drunk, really. Um, I can't remember seeing the game any time I've been. So no. <laughs> <laughs> That is perfect. Was that at Old Trafford? That's right, yeah, uh, where Manchester United play. And, um, yeah, it's a really good location for rugby because generally the teams who are in the final are from are from that neck of the woods, so it's not too far for the fans to travel. Okay, perfect, perfect. Yeah, I've done a tour of Old Trafford before. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lovely place. Um, but, yeah, I after I surely met you guys, I ended up getting sick for most of the weekend when I was supposed to be able to look around London. Luckily, I got better just in time for the Seahawks game that Sunday evening. Uh, but it was just kind of a, a whirlwind event. And of course people are like, why did you eat a Haggis breakfast burrito? Like, I thought that's what the locals did. It was at the train station too. Oh. So, so I was just trying to eat, eat the local food. Yeah. <laughs> that's nasty. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'll be having at least Haggis breakfast burritos anytime soon. <laughs> does it, does that count as like fusion food, like burritos and Haggis and, you know, like, it's not it's really... Spo- you would think so, because yeah. they even have uh, sushi burritos. Uh, there's at least a place in Denver, Colorado that's like it that. It sounds like a bunch of diarrhea. That's what it sounds like. Pretty much. That's, that's, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure what we could say on this podcast. So yeah, oh, you can say it all. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let it fly. Let it fly. <laughs> uh, so that chance encounter... And the fact yeah, that well, you, you pulled to... yourself together enough to not I, I, crap I yourself well, while the, you met him. There was some are. flooding going on, so the trains got crowded. So yeah. we were standing actually between two different cars. And you and your, mm-hmm. your buddies were very generous. You were sharing your beer. And then, um, yeah, we ended up just uh, shooting the shit for a couple hours. And yeah. it was it was pretty fun. It was actually. I mean, that's that's really one of the advantages of traveling by train. Not that there are many sometimes, but... You know, by, from time to time, you do meet uh, an interesting character like yourself, and uh, it leads on to like interesting things like this. Because you know, if we hadn't met, we wouldn't be on this podcast. 
Well, yeah, I wouldn't. That's true. Mm. That's true. That's true. Uh, so, Craig, where do you live? You're you're kind of north of England, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, we are right in the northwest corner of England. So, literally, another. I think we're just like thirty minutes from Scotland. I look out of my back window there. I can see Scotland. Um, so it's as, as north in England as you can get. It's um, it's a the county is called Cumbria. Um, people know it, and I think a lot of American tourists know it for the Lake District, Beatrix Potter, um, Wordsworth's poetry. It's it's that area. Um, so it's okay. a really beautiful part of the world. But yeah, there's it's quite rural. There's not much kind of I wouldn't say not much to do, but not many built up areas. So it's yeah, it's really nice. It's agricultural. It's it's peaceful. It's yeah, it's nice. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And you're a, are you a French teacher as well as a contractor? I'm back doing the French teaching now. When I met you, I was kind of like having a, a three-year gap from teaching, um, working actually in, with, with those guys you met in um, a railway and construction company. So I was I ended up doing the, the managing the training for that company for people to work on the railway, which was so complicated and it was just another world. So... My wife was getting a new job, um, and so this this another teaching job came off. Obviously, with the holidays, and we've got two kids, um, two boys. Um, one's thirteen, one's nine, and so this was a couple of years ago when I come back into teaching. They weren't quite old enough to be left to their own devices, sure. let's say, during the school holidays. So, um, yeah, I've been back in teaching now for about this is my third year back. So, yeah. Um, I can barely speak English at times, so actually people are always very, very surprised when I tell them I'm a French teacher. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Clint and I both took quite a bit of French in school mm. and uh, can't speak any of it. No, <laughs> yeah. this is true. It's amazing when you can become an adult. If, it, if it's not in practice, how quickly it goes. It, it's true. Honest, honestly, it's. Um, I've been really concentrating on my German recently because I really wanted to learn German and I never got the opportunity at school. And like you say, unless you're practicing it week in, week out, and it's like, I suppose, like any other skill, if if you don't keep on top of it, 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 it soon kind of fades away, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I find that even when I visit another country, I never try to assume they know English. So I always try to ask them that. And in, in Germany, for example, they they almost kind of giggle, like, well, yeah, of course I know English. And and speak English you know, back to me, but in France, I most of the time I feel like, uh, you know, I'll ask them like, "Oh, parlez-vous anglais?" Uh, and then just like, "No." <laughs> I, I try to order things very basic, like "Je voudrais un crepe," and then it is sometimes it can be somewhat disastrous. But you know, at the same time, I guess I have met some French people that have been patient with me, and Google Translate mm-hmm. helps. But I, I still feel like that's the one country where you definitely need to try to hold your own with at least some semblance of French if you can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I always kind of try and pride myself on if I go into a restaurant or a bar, I'm secretly offended if they bring me the English menu because I think, is it that obvious that I'm not <laughs> like, right. it's easier in Germany, I must admit, because I think I think where I lived in France is right down in the southwest. So they're all quite Spanish looking, you know, like dark hair, um, things like that. And obviously I was a bit incongruous in that in that setting but uh-huh. um obviously you go to germany you can blend in a little bit easier i find but yeah certainly in that area in france it's it's quite hard sometimes it's, it's quite obvious that you're an englishman sometimes or a, or a non or a non-frenchman let's say right now at least in the czech republic what they used to do is if you ask for a menu in english 
the prices would be about three times as much as normal. Do the French do that too? Have you noticed oh, if they give these overly inflated? He wouldn't know menus? because they're handing him. The yeah, that's true. Menu. That's true. Yeah, no, yeah. Where I, here's a bit of an anecdote. I don't know. If, I don't know if we're big into the anecdotes on this podcast, but where I lived in France was again quite a similar setting, like very agricultural, very rural. But the the the, t- the town name where I lived was Condom. Um, yeah, <laughs> people are always That's delighted awesome. to hear that. Yeah, but uh, very, very beautiful place in the southwest of France, in Gascony. Um, and it's nothing to do with the English word condom. It's some sort of Latin-derived name. Oh, sure, sure. But, but everybody loves it, and the tourists always steal all the signs, you know, the road signs and all the rest of it. But um, it gives. Well, it it's a- like that place in Austria. It's a village. It's oh, spelled F U C K I N G. Oh, there's that. There's also Wank, I think, as well. Does all, yeah. <laughs> so basically what you're saying is that what it comes down to is regardless of age, we're all like 14-year-old boys. Yes. Yeah, just running around stealing signs. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I guess people would go there or they would try to engage in the act in front of the sign. And then they're How like, romantic. where are the postcards? And someone would be like, there's no fucking postcards. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. They, well, So the, they finally decided to change the name of the village, which is really? kind of sad they had to do that. That is sad. That is a bit sad. The last, the last thing, actually, there's a town eight miles away from... Where I live, it's called Cockermouth, which is also yes. a good one. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen it. Is it a whiskey called Cockburn? That's the port, uh, Coburn's port. But yeah, um, I don't know why. There's just a lot of filthy names knocking around. Yeah, like, it's, uh, so it kind of caught me off guard. But, you know, I'm at a pub. and like, whoa, what kind of drink is this? What will happen to me <laughs> if I have that? Huh? One way to find out. Right. Well, Bottoms yes. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> So Craig, I know that uh, you're you're into rugby. Would you say that's your number one sport? Even your your boys are into rugby. Yeah, um, right up until I was kind of fourteen, fifteen, I always played, you know, like football, uh, obviously soccer, um, and then I just got really sick of it. The coach kept picking all his son's friends, and my mum says, "Look, if you're sick of it, go and play rugby," because she knew some people in the team, and I joined the team, and and I kind of played that ever since. But I don't want to be too boring. There's two different types of rugby. Um, there's probably the most well-known one is Rugby Union. That's got 15 players. And I reckon if you showed an average American rugby, it's that one where they all dive on the floor in a big heap. Right, um, right. And, you know, um, and I play, my favourite type of rugby is a game called Rugby League. And that's got 13 players. And actually, for an American audience, it's probably much, much easier to understand because it's got six tackles. So you get the ball six times, a bit like the downs in uh, oh, okay. American football. Um, it's a it's a massive massive sport in Australia, um, north of England, France, um, and it's I think in my opinion it's a better game because it's less complicated. There's more action, um, and yeah, I, I suppose I'm biased. Um, I played both, but yeah, uh, rugby is my main sport, and my kids both play um, as well as other things. But yeah, it's uh, I, I enjoy it, and I'm getting just yeah kind of over the hill a little bit now, so. Sure, sure. <laughs> you find just things uh, creak and crack a little bit more when you get tackled. Yeah, yeah. it takes, you know, maybe to like Wednesday. We play the game on a Saturday, probably until the Wednesday, the next week to feel kind of half, you know, you're right, not walking right. like a tin man or one of the Thunderbirds or something like that. But um, yeah, it t- well, you know, I don't know. I think we're a similar age probably, but things take longer to kind of to heal and to, to recover from, don't they? No, yeah, no, Absolutely. Or even for me, sometimes I'll take a bike ride and then something that you think was non, non-related non will hurt or ache for a few days. And like, yeah. how did that happen, huh? 
so the type of rugby you're describing, is that similar to Aussie Rules rugby? They had that. Um, yeah, Aussie Rules is oh man, they they're just such phenomenal athletes. I don't I don't understand the game one bit. Um that is a bit like a cross between have you heard of the Irish sport? Is it Gaelic football? Um that's a bit I similar. have actually, yeah. yeah, when I was there. Yeah, it's a bit I think it's more related to that. Now sometimes I think they have like a the Australians against the the Irish in some sort of like hybrid type of game. So that's more of like they play in a big oval, don't they? Like in the in the cricket ground, and they're incredibly fit. Um, but yeah, I would say probably rugby league. The type of rugby I play is, is probably more akin to if you look, watched it in a way in, in in terms of American football with you know there's so many downs and we have six tackles. So I think for an American Interesting. view, well, American football has more of its origins through rugby. Yeah, which is interesting that. You know, and even as a kid growing up, like, why do we call this football? That's, mm. uh, you know, 5%, if that, of, of the entire sport of the game, yeah. which I'm sure confuses people that aren't from the United States even more. Like, yeah. what the, why is this football? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was originated, I believe, with rugby. And then when they started to allow the forward pass, that's when things got to be really different and distinguish mm. itself. Um but of course, even now you can still lateral behind you as much as you want in American football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean you don't see it too often. I tell no, you, yeah. sorry. Oh no, 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 go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say, what's really interesting is that it's becoming more and more popular in in the UK American football because I know a lot of my friends really follow it when it's on the television. They go down to Wembley, you know, when the NFL games are on down there. Mm-hmm. It's becoming, and you know, I'm in actually a fantasy football league with oh. a lot of Bavarian guys. Yeah. So, and I don't understand what the hell. I just kind of pick the the best players. I like the name, maybe, or they've got the most points. So I kind of yeah. And each week you put the points, points there. I, my very first year in the league, I, I won, and then after that, I've become last ever since then. The yeah. Sacco. So <laughs> um, you got, your, got your one. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I I am curious. So uh, it seems it feels like adult leagues are a way bigger deal in the UK than they are in the United States. I mean, we're all a bunch of fat, lazy people anyways, but you know, I, I had, I have buddies, a really good buddy that, you know, played rugby and then they kind of played in an adult league in their twenties. And then by the time they're 30, they're hung up the cleats and you know, yeah, that yeah. was that. Um, but I mean, you're still going strong. Is that, is it a big culture to still yeah. play organized sports as adults? Yeah, I think, I think, it's not so much as it was. I think probably the last ten years has been a, a, a decline in team sports. I mean, the num- we were just we saw this old kind of newspaper clipping, and the amount amount of rugby league teams in our area was phenomenal. Um, same with rugby union teams, football teams, like soccer teams. And over, I think over the last ten years in particular, that number in all team sports has dwindled somewhat because what I find in our club is that there's a lot of guys work shifts. They don't just work a nine to five job or an eight to five job. Um, you know, so they work maybe night shifts and then things like that. So that affected employers really aren't as sympathetic if people get injured anymore. You know, <laughs> you know whereas once upon a time it was a real bonus if one of your employees played a team sport because you knew they they kind of had the right stuff. They were team players and all the rest of it. Um, so yeah, there is a big culture still, and, and people do, and there's there's like kind of veterans teams for people over thirty five, but. It's still it's it's kind of a million miles away from maybe where it was in, the, in like 1990 or the mm. sports where they were maybe in the 1980s 1990s probably on the on the decline. 
And do you find, I mean, I feel like it's such a great way to have kind of a sense of community with people that you probably wouldn't run into in normal life other than, than that. Um, you know, Clint and I, we do very, uh, singular sports for the most part. And it's hard to find that sense of community. Um, they have clubs. We just, you know, we've dabbled, but we're still, we're still looking for our people. You still are. Yeah. And other people to interact interact with but you're right adult leagues are they're just not nearly as common here i think your dad played baseball as you know with an adult league at one point yeah until right? he was like 30 yeah. until he's 30 yeah but oh. when it's your dad they always seem old at 30 right right <laughs> so for my benefit because i'm not kind of familiar with that so the people tend to play like a lot of junior sports and then kind of kind of stop when they get to a certain age then or yeah even high usually you stop after high school unless you're playing well, collegiately yeah so maybe you play at university and then beyond that, you know, uh, not, not really. You go into your jobs and continue on into your career. So, yeah, I, I think, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think in the U S the, the kind of holidays are a lot less than European, like holidays in jobs, aren't there as well? So do you think that has an effect that people haven't got as much spare time or to do it? You know, or? That, that's interesting. T- I mean, and you're right. Uh, Generally speaking, depending on your job, you usually only have maybe a few days around Christmas, and then summertime there's no designated time off unless you're mm-hmm. a school teacher. So it's just a matter of whatever you can take off of work. I yeah. also think that it is such it's in our culture that things that are looked at upon as frivolous aren't done. So if you like have a, your job, your career that you're trying to build, your family, then anything outside of that is kind of you know, why would, why would one do that? And then people are dying of heart attacks at 35. So, you know, I mean, I personally think that investing time into not only your physical health, but also your social emotional, Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's way more bang for your, for your buck on that one. But yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I would totally agree there, um, Kelly, because I kind of retired from rugby league a few years ago because I just, I just like say, I found like my body couldn't take the punishment anymore, and that um, I was obviously still heavily involved in the club and the management and the the junior training and all the rest. But what I really missed wasn't the actual playing. Sometimes it was just being around that group of men and having like the camaraderie and you know telling the jokes and people taking, putting you know pulling your leg and you know they call me baldy and all the rest. Well, other things <laughs> probably want to do. But it's that's I think that's the thing you miss really that sense of being as part of a group. Sure, sure. And mm-hmm. it's important. And as adults and you get into your lives, it's hard to make friends. And back mm-hmm. in the day when there was a village of 100 people, everybody knew everybody's business and you were intertwined with everyone's lives. And now we leave su- lead such private, you know, existence. Yeah. I, I feel like we need to get some some teams going here. No, mm-hmm. absolutely. Can girls play rugby? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, why not? I want to join a league. <laughs> yeah, seriously, this is, this is my to my everlasting kind of heartbreak when when we were at university because I've I've had the same girlfriend since I was fourteen, so oh, she's my wife now. Awesome. Um, nice. She and she went to Oxford. She's a year older, so she went to Oxford University for a year because she's brainy. She's really clever. Didn't like the course. Came to Newcastle where I was, and. They also used to play rugby union, and we had a good rugby league team. So he says, "Girls, why don't you play some rugby league as well?" And they did, and they got to the like kind of the university final, got beat by one point, and then some of them actually they got picked for uh, Great Britain students, and they went on tour to Russia. And my wife was one of them, and 
much to my everlasting shame, she's got an international kind of cap. I've got nothing. So that's so cool. <laughs> that's I'm so awesome. proud, but equally, I'm so disappointed. Well, I'm sure she sh- she shares in her glory. I think it's called gloating. Oh, or no. that, <laughs> as, as most healthy marriages go. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. Uh, you know, but one other thing to further Kelly's point, I know that I've started getting into endurance sports only just in the last few years, but friends and family constantly think like, what the hell are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, no one's forcing you to do this. Like, there's a bear chasing you. Um, but that being said, I know that it wasn't really a thing, at least in the United States culturally, to start – going for a jog or going for a run just for the sake of going for a run until it seemed like about, what was it, the 80s, 80s. you were reading? Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of places didn't have sidewalks. Mm-hmm. Now they're putting in sidewalks and trying to accommodate for that. Um, and what, I mean, I know that obviously there's running clubs and different types of endurance events in, in the UK, but do you find that's still a big thing culturally that, you know, in your neck of the woods? Um, I tell you, it probably mirrors the kind of decline of team sports somewhat. The, the rise of the individual sport because I, I had a long conversation with our kind of regional county representative from the from our governing body, the Rugby Football League, and we're saying, look, why are people not coming? You know, he says, well, look, for a Rugby League team, you need 13 men to play a game. Mm-hmm. He says, if six of them guys don't come, you can't play. But he said, say us three decided, yeah, we're going to go for a, a jog tomorrow morning. And then only, only Clint showed up. That doesn't stop him from doing it. Right, so right. Actually, it's more flexible. You can go when you want to go. Whereas with the team sport in England, at least, or the UK, it, gen- it tends to be Saturday afternoon, half past two or three o'clock. You know, it's very rigid. People can't. It takes up the weekend. If you go for a beer after the game, you've probably got a hangover all day Sunday. And then it's back to right. Monday. So re- probably less chance of breaking your leg going for a run. I know there's a possibility, but there's all of them factors where I think that rise in the individual sport is probably down to a lot of those factors as well. So, Sure, sure. Well, and you just uh, – were you always a runner or – Never. You just, ne- com- no. you just completed the 4x4x48, and this was your second attempt? It was. It was thanks – actually, I should say thanks. I think it's thanks to you too. Um, that Depends I kind of on how long it's been since you finished. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I maybe wouldn't have said thank you when I just finished it. But, yeah, I was really intrigued because um, basically last lockdown, I wasn't – since I stopped playing kind of rugby, you still think you're in that 20-year-old mindset where you can eat a huge portion of food, you can drink and eat whatever you like, and it doesn't matter because you're training five nights a week. And really, it was a wake-up call for me probably last October, and I thought, I am so fat. Like, <laughs> just terrible state I'd let myself get into. And um, it was it was one of the, the it was a lad I used to teach. I mean, he's 28 now, and he's got like a bit of a personal training business. So I kind of said, "Look, will you kind of just keep me on track?" And in between, in between, when was it? Sixth of November last year, and the 16th of July, just gone. I managed to lose 55 pounds. Which oh I'm, wow! Yeah, and that just shows shocking. That's a huge deal. Yeah, it just showed kind of like what a shocking state i'd let my body get into though because i got up to something like something crazy like 266 pounds um which wasn't it's not good I, you know i went to fasten my trousers for work and i'm like oh my god like what what's happening but it was totally self-inflicted um in the lockdown last year it was, it was awesome weather and like we're not used with that 
Uh, <laughs> you know, everybody wasn't at work or working from home. You know, we were having a barbecue every night, some beers, wines, whatever. No exercise whatsoever. And I just thought, you know, enough is enough. And then kind of started to get fit. Come across the, you know, the podcast you guys had done about about the challenge. And I thought, mm, you know. I, back up here, because 55 yeah. pounds, that's a lot of work. So what 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 was the biggest catalyst for you well you already kind of told us that but what was it like putting one foot in front of the other that kind of helped snowball to where you're at right now yeah i think i think it's like a lot of things you know kind of like the more you do the more you want to do um it was just kind of like a a gradual thing you know you can see yourself you know obviously getting looking a bit better in the mirror you can you know when you're doing the burpees or the press-ups and that you can feel yourself do I'm stronger. I can feel stronger. Go for a walk. Go for a run. I feel better. You know, probably run. You know, I did a few runs and thought oh, I feel quite good. Um, got to a point after Christmas where I kind of said to this guy, "Come on, I want to kind of do a little bit more." Um, and it, it was just kind of like a cumulative thing. And I think the more success I got, the more kind of it spurred you on in that respect. So it was just I knew it was better for my health, but equally I was enjoying the the way it felt. Sure, sure. Awesome. How much did diet play a fact in it? Did oh, you huge, have to go down to eating just vegetables and chicken? Or um, I tell you, I never ever felt hungry. In fact, this—I mean—he sent me this diet thing and all the rest of it. And actually, I couldn't eat everything in the day. He sent me this big long list of stuff to eat, and I had to lie to him and say I'd eaten it all, mm. but I hadn't. You know, like I just couldn't physically couldn't. I saw I'm too full. But yeah, I never felt full. But I think it was just more sensible things rather than. You know, we've got two kids and, you know, we'd make like a family meal, for example, because we never ate, I wouldn't say, you know, highly processed food in great big amounts. You know, we always cooked in the house. And if there was a bit left, though, you know, everybody finished eating, hmm, it's not quite enough for tomorrow. We may as well just eat it. Right. Right. And then, you you know, you're getting from work. You think, oh, I'll have a glass of wine while I make dinner. Then you might think, oh, I'll have another. And then you think I may as well drink the bottle. So for me, it was kind of like cutting out that wine and things midweek and then just actually saying, no, that is my dinner. That's my portion and no more. So a bit yeah. more yeah, discipline, I think. It's pretty straightforward and so hard to do. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. it's true. And, yeah. The last, I mean, I'm still struggling with it. So you know, It's tough because the last – in this – well, in July I was 40, so obviously I, I stretched those celebrations out for like a month, I think. Right. It's um, a big milestone. Yeah, yeah, quite right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we went on holiday a few times, just kind of went down to London a couple of times. And then we went on like a bit of a mini cruise around the UK. That was nice. And, you know, try to stay fit through it and not eat not too much. Obviously, enjoy yourself. But this last kind of week, I've just had no... I've been back at work after the summer holidays and I've, I really need next week to kind of say, look, Let's let's go again because I don't I definitely don't want to start on the downward, you know, slide. Right, right. That's a huge deal though. Saying okay, I had my vacation, vacation's over, time to reset, as opposed to just you know going back into the cycle. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to I think the biggest change for me, obviously, like you know, your body changes when you get a bit fitter and lose some weight, but like mentally, kind of being a bit stronger and not so self indulgent. I think. Um, yeah. Sure. Sure. <laughs> And then you can still have cheat days or whatnot, yeah. I imagine. Well, yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I went down to see a good friend of mine at, at, at the weekend. He lives down in the southwest of England. 
and yeah, it wasn't the healthiest of weekends. Uh, right. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still kind of recovering from that today. Um, but yeah, you need that. I think for your men- mental kind of whatever you want to call it, well-being, or just actually living your life as well. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you've got two two young boys. I have a a ten and twelve year old. Ah, cool. And yeah, it's hard when you when we start getting older. I mean, I definitely feel the days that or the nights like stayed up too late, like any little thing, drank too much, stayed up too late, started eating like shit. Like it, yeah. it really just spirals quickly. And then I feel like their energy goes up when they can sense that like I'm at a low and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I think that's kind of like the, uh, you know, the hyenas smell like blood or some oh, right oh, totally. Right in there. Yeah. Um, but they yeah. Try to I break think- you. But yeah, it's a constant battle of attrition, isn't it? Right, it's true. <laughs> it is. Have Have your boys gotten involved with any of your training? Are they interested in? Yeah, the old, with dad. Lifting yeah, the, old, the oldest one. He kind of he, he's got to that age now where he's, he's just turned thirteen in July, and you know, he, you can see him looking in the mirror at himself and. He's got a bedroom up in the attic in our house, and I opened the door a couple of months ago. And I could hear this like heavy breathing and and all the rest of it. I thought, oh my god! I'm like, that could be yeah. anything with a yeah, yeah, boy. yeah. And I kind of, <laughs> I thought, oh no, he's, that's kind of like the age in it, thirteen. And I thought, oh my god, like what is going on up there? So I asked Marcus, Marcus, what are you doing? I'm doing my fitness. So he was doing like <laughs> press ups and sit ups in a plank. Thankfully. Um, no, right. What kind of fitness, man? Yeah. <laughs> you know, Kelly, fitness can take many forms and various yeah. uh, parts true. of the body. But um, <laughs> thankfully, he was doing that. So yeah, he's he's pretty um, he's pretty focused on. You know, he wants to look good. Obviously, he plays rugby. He wants to keep fit. He um, yeah. So that's good. And then the younger boy, he's nine. Obviously, he's not as he's not image conscious. You know, at, at nine years old, but. He enjoys rugby, um, soccer, horse riding. So they didn't do it so much with me, but they've got their own kind of interests, which I'm really glad about. And I'm not one of these parents who thinks that, oh, you know, you know what, I played rugby. They've got to play rugby. They, you know, they could do whatever they wanted as yeah. long as they were active. That you know, I wouldn't be bothered. Well, and it's just it's cool that you're setting that example. I mean, even if they're not doing it straight away, they're seeing it. They're yeah. seeing that behavior modeled um, and well, living you, a healthy you know, you, lifestyle. You must be the same, you know, your, your your kids will see that and then, you know, they copy that, I think, or they want to kind of emulate it or imitate it to some extent, I think. I think Here's to hoping do... one day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll keep plugging along. So you do. just did this 4x4x48 for the second time. Yeah. Um, And for anybody who didn't listen to the episode that we did it, do you want to explain what that is, Clint? Sure. It came, uh, so David Goggins is a prominent... How would you describe him, Kelly? Just everything kind of guy. Sadist? Yes, exactly. He does uh, ultra marathons, triathlons, uh, you know, you name it. This guy does it. And his challenge that he had was to run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. And he thought that would be a way to make ultra marathons accessible to the average runner. Yep. Yeah, Exactly. Uh, so Craig, what, what was that like for you? Oh, well, do you want me to talk about the first time I tried or the second time? Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. Um, well, the first time I think my wife said, she said, she says, I think you've bitten off more than you can chew here. And I was like, man, 
I should be okay. And I was like, I convinced myself. I think I fooled myself into thinking I would be okay. And kind of like did the first first six runs. And, you know, I was tired and I felt good. Felt a little bit stiff. Seventh run was fine. Eighth run just like, in the end, it, I was still pretty willing in my mind. But it, I, I, my leg wasn't up to it. I had like, a, I don't know if I hurt my calf or my ankle. It was something like that. And I just thought, look, I'm, I need to go away and, and prepare better for this. Um, so that was really a bit of a wake-up call. And it kind of showed me what it was like really to do something like that because I'd never actually tried anything like that in my life. Um, and I guess you don't know what to expect really. Um, but that's certainly kind of, yeah, gave me the wake up call I needed. And then what it did, it's just four hours or it's just four miles. Right. And it's that accumulative effect. It's almost like the frog in the boiling pot. It's all of a sudden your body's broken down and you're, you know, seeing things because you're so tired. It was as quick as that because the seventh run in the first attempt, Felt, you know, I felt a bit tired, you know what I mean? But I did it and great. And it was just as quick as that. I was going, I was sore on the eighth run and like, I mean, my legs and my hips. And I was like, oh God, you know, I'll get through it because once you get going, I feel a bit looser. And it, it literally was just like somebody slammed the door right in my face. And I just thought, that's it. I can't, that's that's my limit for this. Um, but you know what? I really like Goggins' kind of view on accountability and, you know, if you want to change something, you change it. And that actually spurred me on to an ex- a, a quite a big extent during the kind of weight loss, if you want to call it that, and, and getting fitter. Because you think, if anybody's going to change it, it's going to be me. I can't look to anybody else. It's my fault right, right. in that state. So it's my responsibility to myself to, to get out of that state, really. Um, and then the second time, I think I was at maybe even a stone lighter by then. So... If you think, you know, I was quite, you know, 14 pounds lighter than the first time, it, that surely must have a good effect. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, Take the stress I, off your knees think, and your joints. Yeah. Because um, what am I now? When I, I probably put a few pounds on it. I reckon I'll be probably like 208, 215, 217 pounds now, something like that, as a guess. Um, but the second time, obviously, you knew what to expect because I was a total, well, I still am a total novice in it, like an endurance kind of thing like this because the first time I think I underestimated kind of like the nutrition and and things like that I, I thought I was eating enough probably I wasn't um like the hydration it was that was hard to manage I think um and the second time obviously I, was, I think I was better prepared in terms of knowing what I was going to eat knowing what I was going to drink what to expect mentally and physically um so yeah I trained I trained I would say I trained specifically. I just made sure I did some, like, kept doing, like, a lot of runs at about that distance. Um, and I don't know if that's the right way. I mean, you two, you two are obviously, you know, more experienced. I think if I was to do something like this again, I would do even more research to, to, to make sure I was well prepared. So I don't know if I fluked it. I probably didn't fluke it, but... I could have done it better, even better, you know, like the planning of it could have been better, I think. Hey, you did the work, sir. So yeah. what was the hardest, which, what was the hardest run for you for the, the second hardest run attempt? was, it was, it was 10 and 11 that I just, yeah. like, I felt like I just thought there's no way I'm stopping. Like the eighth, I said to you, I think Clint, I thought, because mm. you sent me a, a nice, a nice message just to check in and I said, look, I'm going to have to walk. I'm going to walk one because I was really, really stiff. And it was a fastish walk. I wasn't just like strolling along. But I just thought, I'm going to walk this one, just try and stretch out. 
That was that was run eight. Run nine, I, I felt so good, felt so energized. And I just, I could have run, I felt like I could have run a long way. It got to like kind of poor 10 and 11. And it was, I thought this is make or break time. So, you know, you just keep thinking of all them things. There's no way now, there's no way. You can't let that pass. And all them things like you've read in, you know, Goggins' book and all of the things I, I thought I thought back to the pictures of when I started my, my kind of journey and I was, you know, fat as a pig and all the rest of it. I thought, no way. You've got them, what do you call them? Cookies in the jar, I guess. Um, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, it was coming. Once your body's done, you still have what sixty percent. So he says. I don't know. I don't know if it's such a lot. I know. Right, right. right. Well, even uh, it's Ross Edgeley. So there's actually a a British uh, again. What would you call Ross Edgeley? Just this guy that is, is healthy and works nature? out for a living. It seems like, but someone I kind of idolize. He did the the swim around. The Great British the Swim. Great so British he swam all the way around the island of Great Britain. Yeah. Uh, but he calls it the, it's the essential governance theory that your when your your body's telling you, hey, you know, go ahead and take it easy, or maybe you should stop, or I guess it's trying to protect you, so it's being able to push past that barrier to be mm -hmm. able to propel yourself forward, where you still have that capability, but your body naturally will not want to subject you to that. Yeah, I think that I think that's probably right. It, you know, your body goes into the kind of that self self preservation mode, um, and it's 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 it, 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 I don't think there's many times in your life where you've really got to say, oh, I'm going to get past that because I never got to that. I think mentally, all through my kind of, if you want to call it athletic career, sport career, I was probably weak. I would stop when I got tired and I shouldn't yeah. have done, you know. But That's what we all do. Yeah. Right, we right. don't anymore. Right? Mm. Mm. And how is going through this? Because you have a family and responsibilities and all of that. How How is that? Do you know something? It was really great because I think the kids are at kind of an age now where you can leave them really. That they don't need kind of looks after twenty four seven. And I, before anybody calls social services, there were there was always somebody <laughs> like you know, they weren't just abandoned. But you know, my wife was working at home at the time. Um, the kids were there. I'm really really fortunate that my parents live in the same street, so if they wanted to go there, they could. Um, Caroline's parents live in the next village, so the kids can bike bike there so it's kind of like a, a close-knit community and and so that thankfully wasn't really an issue uh my wife caroline she taxied me to some like nice runs because i thought i've got to keep the variety up here a little bit because i don't know how you two found it like i had to have like a few different routes because i couldn't have just done the same route yeah 12 times or so that happened with me because the first four times it was the same and then finally yeah. it's like hey i'm gonna go visit my parents and run from there and then we went by our old high school or you know we just would switch it up to different things because the I, monotony it just that that takes a mental toll <laughs> it does and i actually i, I kind of took that point on board when i was listening to the podcast uh, that you two did and we we're quite lucky because about well like i said out of the window i can see scotland and that's the that's the sea so it's obviously very very flat so you know it was still four miles but i thought there's no way i can i, I needn't make it more difficult than it was and do like a hilly course which right, there are right. a lot of hills around here. So did a couple down there, did a couple around town, especially when it was dark at night because there's obviously the street lights And yeah, it was the support coming back to your question was, was really good. Um, so I'm really lucky awesome. in that respect. Yeah. Right on, right on. So do you see yourself doing any more events like this? Do you see yourself maybe getting into ultra running or, you know, whatever yeah, type I, of individual yeah, sport you might? I think, I think that's the thing now because 
the challenge is, like I said to you earlier, when you when you kind of stop playing the team sports, um, what do you do? A lot of guys get into cycling or people, you know, we're at neck of the woods because there's quite a lot of lakes. They do like kind of the free swim, like uh, the open water swimming and things. Um, a lot of people, a few people are not good into triathlons, but I don't really like swimming and I'm not that keen on biking. So. I don't like swimming either. I was like, you're telling Kelly, she's trying to get into triathlons. I'm like, hey, if you like running and ultra running and trail running, just hey, go with what you like. You know? Yeah, so I, it, it's strange because I could actually see myself doing something like that where it's a longer thing but not quite a faster, like obviously not as fast as a normal maybe half marathon or a marathon, but because I quite like that, that, that challenge of seeing how long you can go for. Um, and whether or not I'll be able to do it, but that's that's the one thing where I, I finished that and I thought, oh, this could be something I could do. Um, but let's see, I don't know. I mean, I would I would certainly try something like that again and then see how it went from there. Yeah, no, that's I was, great. I think I think the sense of achievement is 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 something that I've never experienced before. Because all oh, right, you can win a rugby game. That's eighty minutes in length. It's not you know, it's an hour and twenty minutes. You know, this this is. This is a whole different right, challenge right. and a whole different like level, isn't it? Really, you know, you're running for. I think cumulatively it was like nine, nine twenty-three or something. It took me, so it was. I'm not going to win any records or win any prizes, but it's a long old time, isn't it? You know, it's. it's yeah, well, especially exactly, and I'm, I'm like that's about my pace too, and so it's just it's a. People are more efficient. They're finishing these things quicker, and so I'm taking more time out there. But but you're right. right. It's, a, it's a long time to be out in the elements and to be out moving. And then I don't know what it is. Like, I just kind of got exposed. Actually, Kelly's the one that really exposed me to oh. marathon running. And then it just kind of primed the pump. And then, you know, the ball got rolling from there. Because that's interesting that you mentioned that because um, I've got a friend and his wife, she's a really super, she was a really good runner. And then she, she's a really good triathlete now because we've got a, a good uh, triathlon in our area, actually, if you're, if you're interested. It's called the Lakesman Triathlon. Um, oh. Okay. And we did um, some of our rugby team did the the marshalling for it along the cycling route uh, this summer. So that's a really if you fancy a trip over, um, it's a good one. Um, but she she got into that and she messaged me and she said, you know, congrats congratulations on on, on doing the the challenge. And I said, it's funny because I I can't imagine doing a, just a normal marathon in in one go. I think what really helped with that is you did have the breaks, but. They weren't long and you were still tired, but I don't know. I think I would have to maybe build up to do a marathon. I think it's that's it seems like undoable, strangely. Well, that's why you have to do it. The training yeah, just exactly. is different. Yeah. It just takes time, right? Did you did you just double dare me to do it? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I and I, so I was going to ask if I can invite myself over there and find an event to do. And I've just yeah, let's up do for an event. The Lakes why are you triathlon. leaving me out? Yeah. World power. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously. Because um, the lady I worked with when I met you, she was the mar- she's the marketing director of this 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 company we worked for, and her and her husband. That's their event. So, oh, be, yeah. Wonderful. So that's um, they put it on. Yeah, they they arrange it. They they ah, run it. And, okay. Um, so um, honestly, yeah, it'd be, it'd be, that'd be great. I think that'd be superb. Could uh, so if I did the full event though, um, I was gonna say, hey, you should do it with me. But if you really don't like cycling and running, but maybe you could find a relay team. Do you, you know what I anchor. could do? I'm an awesome supporter. Yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> I'll come and like cheer as loud as I can, and you know, I'll be there with the with the More kind of cowbell. That's a good yeah. cheer, cowbell. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But honestly, it's um, coming back to the original point. I think I would certainly, I, I do like that challenge. Of, of That's the closest thing I've, I've got to where I think, yeah, I could really kind of do this. I'll get my teeth into it. I'll never be any good as such, but just for your own kind of enjoyment. Oh, I, sure, sure. Yeah. I have found that the endurance running, especially the community is our age. I mean, that's the thing. If you're a little bit slower, if you're not, you know, running seven or six minute miles, if you're running a 50K, it's good. You know what I mean? It it evens out the playing field. And really, as long as you just can put one foot in front of the other, you can do this sport for, I mean, I've seen people into their seventies doing a hundred milers and that's crazy, but it's, it's something, I mean, it's a natural thing that we do. We walk and we run. Right. Yeah. And as long as we take care of our bodies, then there's no reason why we can't be doing these hard things until later in life. And I'd much rather be slogging along running a hundred miles at 70 than in a wheelchair or not being able to move. And yeah, on, absolutely. On Fifteen pills, you know. And and you know what? This this, I wouldn't say it was a motivation when I started, but I was having a chat with a guy who I was at university with, and he we played in the same rugby team, and um, you know he said he said good on you for losing the weight and getting fit because he says he says he's the same. He doesn't want to be exactly like you said, taking fifteen tablets a day in a wheelchair, got diabetes, and have a zero quality of life. I, I don't know if that's you get to that kind of middle-aged forty mark, and you kind of think, "Oh, well, party time's up." Well, not party time isn't over, but you kind of start to think about things like that, maybe. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. absolutely. One one step closer to the grave every goddamn day. <laughs> right, <laughs> true. You know Got to make the most of this fun time on the planet. <laughs> that is, that is a harsh truth, and but actually, like extremely accurate. Um, mm-hmm. You've got to make the best of the time and. I just think, yeah, if I've got whatever, however many years left, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a good go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fill it with fun. Yeah, you want to keep seeing your kids grow, and yeah, right, you know, yeah. They maybe yeah. have families, be around them for them as well. So fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so you guys are gonna find an event. It's not gonna be triathlon, but if if you find up an event, or if he finds an event that you can both agree on. Can we come together and do the event? That would be awesome. I'll do whatever. That would be, I'll even that would be fantastic. Come, that would be I'll excellent. come in a costume. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Perfect. What if we can even combine rugby with a marathon or something? Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah. I mean, you Kelly's mean like got a mud me. run or like a like a Spartan race? Maybe. Well, I guess yeah. I guess those are yeah. exist. I know they're, they're combining I can all make sorts team of things. T-shirts. <laughs> Kelly's got to sign up for a marathon where we jump out of an airplane, so you skydive yeah, we're and then doing... you land and then. That's Run. in January if you want to go to Florida. Yeah. It's that a real sounds, treat. That sounds terrifying. <laughs> but absolutely, like, just unbelievable at the same time. Like, yeah. If you live, it's going to be a great yeah. story. And all the weird news from the United States comes from Florida. It's it's a very <laughs> odd place. Yeah. A lot of great merits to it as well. You can take the boys to Disney World or something. Yeah. It's <laughs> some good people watching. How cool is that, though? Like, So you literally got to skydive out of the airplane land and then run the marathon 
Oh, yeah, I signed us up for the hundred miler after, so we'll run a hundred miles. Holy hell! I didn't realize what? it's a hundred miles. You said this last time I told you, and you're like, "Holy hell!" I think mentally hell. I'm blocking that part out. Then okay, <laughs> apparently I'm running a hundred miles after skydiving. January twenty second, come to Disney World. <laughs> honestly, honestly, I will look forward to the uh, seeing like pictures or updates or podcasts on this for sure. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Well, this has been a. An absolute pleasure. And you've actually inspired me more than you know. I kind of needed a little kick in the pants. We had a big night last night and we're both like, okay, it's a 10 day cleanse today. Just like you said, it's easy as an adult to kind of act and live as if you're 18 and then realize I'm not 18. I was teaching my yoga class this morning in my mask going, oh my God, I can still smell wine. Like (laughs) if my students knew. I mean, come on. What yeah, a, sometimes having the mask. What a has fraud. A, <laughs> yeah, that helps. You can't smell oh, the wine on the right, breath. Yeah. You know what? Can I just say for the record, you know, for any listeners, these I can see these two's faces. You would not know that they were severely hungover. I just think <laughs> no, right. a really brave face. So well done. Well, hey, thank thanks. you. Thank you. We get good at that. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get better at what he's doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, we're looking at the monitor here. Maybe it's the before and after. You know, I, I'd be the before. Craig symbolizes my after. So as long yeah, as, 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 as long as as long as you keep the hair, Clint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll shave it. Yeah, uh, say so I'd shave it in in uh, unity, a sign of unity. Yes. All right, so my friend, unity. go enjoy the rest of your evening. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Honestly, Let's thank you. Again. That was just such such a pleasure to to speak about it and to just have a really interesting talk. So thank you again for having me. And good hey. job. Merci beaucoup. A, yeah, yeah. Je porte un jupe. Oh, your, your accent. <laughs> Spot on, sir. <laughs> yeah, I remember like five things. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, we'll tell next care. time, Craig. We'll Thank be you. in touch. Thanks so much for hopping on with us. Bye. Hey, take care. Adios. She's yours. She'll be saying, use me. Show me the jacuzzi.